Hello, hello, this is Patrick Young. You are tuned into the Young and the Rowdies from a new location. Your boy is back in America. And I just want to say thank you so much to the love and support, the reviews that have been written for this podcast that is dedicated to all things Florida, Florida Gator basketball. Where we, we dive into so much more than you would ever imagine, than I would ever imagine. It's been such a blessing to connect with these guys, uh, everyone that's been a part of the program. I'm I'm so thankful to the field of 68 Media Network. Please, if you get a chance, subscribe there, subscribe here. Find this podcast on Apple and and Spotify. Please take please take the time to give this a review, to send it to your friends, to tell whoever you can about it. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, as well as the field of 68 Media. Please subscribe and follow them on YouTube as well as Twitter. We're having a lot of fun just connecting fans with their favorite their favorite teams and giving you so many stories. Can't wait to see where this thing continues to go. And without further ado, coming into the first episode into 2021, I am excited for our next guest. He was before the Billy Donovan era, so he's got a lot to say. He's still involved. He's been through a lot of life. He's played overseas. He's my main man, Dan Cross. Welcome, everybody. This is Patrick Young here with the Young and the Rowdies, here with our very special guest, Dan Cross. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing well this morning, Pat. What about yourself? Doing fantastic. It's, uh, it's awesome to be back in America. I got to tell you, I, uh, I missed a lot. I missed a lot. It's, it's, it's good to be back in my parents' home again, even though, you know, I'm almost 30 now. Uh, so <laughs> crazy to say that, but... Uh, uh, this year, last year really helped me see what I value, and I'm, I'm just so glad to be back home. Well, welcome back to the States. You know, for those that have been abroad and have lived abroad, um, it gives you a different perspective and appreciation for what home actually means. So here in the Western world. So um, happy new year to you, to your family, um, to fresh starts, uh, to, in, to being international, oh, yeah. being able to you know, brand yourself in different countries. So I'm excited for you, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow your blueprint, man. You're, you're, you're the, the things that you've got going on, which we'll, we'll get into for sure. But uh, let's go back to the beginning for you, Mr. Cross. Uh, you are from Chicago, right? Correct. How'd Born you, in Chicago, how, but- uh, How'd you end up I'll, a Gator, man? Listen, so without making it a long story, um, I also must represent Carbondale, Illinois, where I went to school, where I went to high school. So born in Chicago, but raised in Carbondale, Illinois, which is Southern Illinois. And uh, the goal for me was to get out of my environment and, uh, uh, and get as far away as I could to explore um, something new. And so that's what Florida represented for me. Um, and the SEC that was kind of filled with a lot of talent at the time from Shaquille O'Neal at LSU to, you know, to Robert Horry at, you know, University of Alabama to Jamal Mashburn at Kentucky. So it allowed me to be exposed to, uh, you know, the SEC, which is up and coming at the time. And, you know, for me, Florida was the best move. Uh, I had never experienced a sunny Christmas before so right <laughs> to come from snow and and 13 degree weather to you know to sunshine hey you can't beat that huh I feel like yeah that was a bad question by me of course you wanted to come to Florida because <laughs> you probably were tired of being frozen 
uh, for 10 months out of the year. Just that I've been to Chicago one time and I was like, no. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. No. So great to visit. Great to go back to. I still have a lot of family there, but Florida is now home. And then, as you know, you know, most guys that move here from other states to here, they, they tend not to leave in some fashion, shape, or form. So what was it about uh, your recruiting process? How, how did that, because things have obviously changed so much the way recruiting was and is. When I had Billy Donovan on uh, a few months ago, he, he, he told me at the time, you could never directly speak to a kid. You had to go through the coach and give them a letter or say something like, hey, my players, we're interested in this player. And then it was just so crazy. And he, he spoke on how, uh, you couldn't have direct contact with players as well. They would like leave letters at the door of somebody because you couldn't directly talk to them. It's just, it was just ridiculous all the loops you had to jump around. I'm sure you got some stories on that end as well. Yeah, so even speaking about Billy, so I've been knowing Billy since I was I was 15 when he was an assistant at Kentucky. So I would go to the Kentucky camps with Rick Patino, and that's how Billy has started recruiting me at Kentucky. So my relationship goes back that far with Billy to where you know you're speaking about the connections. So my dad would work the Kentucky camps, and that was my way of Billy being able to speak, you know, through my dad to me, or send letters to my dad or to the coach. And that way, my dad knew that it was directly getting uh, to me. So, you know, um, that's how far back the process goes. Um, and as you mentioned before. Yeah, everything went to the coach or through your parents, if you had parents. You know, most of my friends didn't have a mom or a dad that kind of knew the system, you know, knew how things worked. So, you know, there wasn't, not that I'm that old, but the cell phone was not, you know, really in existence at that time. Texting was not really, uh, there was no texting, actually. There was no email. So it was, yeah, it was pure letters and and and. And pay phone phone calls. Right. <laughs> what about the, the the big the big phone from Will Smith in the Fresh Prince with the uh, the big old antenna? Yeah, listen, that was just <laughs> coming out. <laughs> that was just coming with the foil on, on the antenna. The so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So let's let's talk about your time at Florida. You know, you get there, you played uh, from '91 to '95. Now, what did it mean for you to be a Gator in this, you know in the general sense? How Especially the you know your later years there, your last year, you really were a, a leader for that, that team. Um, yeah. And we'll get into leadership because obviously, uh, as a man and how basketball has helped helped you to understand leadership in that standpoint and transfer uh, that transitioning into real life, and then how you're uh, what you're doing now is going into these uh, young kids' life with the with basketball camps and, and all the things that you got going on. But uh, yeah, what were some lessons you learned your time in Florida? Uh, I, so I learned how to be a Gator. Um, coming from Illinois and from the Midwest, you know, I grew up being a, a fighting Illini, mm -hmm. a flying Illini, a Kentucky Wildcat. You know, I'm, I'm in that area. So I didn't know about the rivalries, of, you know, between Florida and Florida State. Um, so I learned what rivalry meant. I learned, you know, what the Gator Nation, what that truly means. And you know, really that brand was kind of formed and developed during that particular era of the Steve Spurrier, you know, Lon Kruger era. So, um, you know, once I learned what it really meant to have that Gator stamp on you, I took a lot of pride in that. 
um, and knowing that at that time, basketball was not, you know, was not in the forefront at the University of Florida. So here I am a kid, you know, with a, with a Northern and Midwestern mentality that wanted to bring that flavor and style um, to Florida to, you know, kind of put Florida on the map. And, you know, my dreams actually came true. I think for every kid that, you know, lays in the bed and shoots a basketball at night, you know, in the air dreaming about counting down four, three, two, one, oh, yeah. going to a final four, you know, those dreams were, uh, were allowed to come true for me and my teammates. And so to be able to go from not playing in front of a stadium of, or an arena of fans that, you know, 2,500, 3,000 may come out my freshman year to, you know, my junior year, every game is a sold, a sellout. You know, you get a chance to see the true transition and transformation of, you know, Gator sports. And in this case, you know, Gator basketball. So just very humbled and proud to be a part of that. That's true. I mean, it's, it, it, when, when Donovan, when, again, having Coach Donovan on, uh, he spoke of how even Coach Patino told him not to take the Gator job because Florida is a football school. Yeah. So you were definitely in that forefront of, I mean, you let you, you, you took the team to the Final Four, which a game, you know, uh, you probably thought, man, we could have had it. I mean, same thing. I I, I think when I look at back same at that UConn game, man, just, just we, we ran into a team that just, I think nine times out of ten, if we would have played that UConn team, we would have beat them. Yep. They just – were the better team that day and yep. just came and, and just got it done. And, uh, you know, without you, what you've done and to help build the program uh, and, and I, I, I probably wouldn't have mitigated. Who knows? Who knows? I'm not sure. But um, so Lon Kruger was your coach. Uh, how was it playing under him? Uh, it was a different experience. Um, so um, um, I was always a kid that, uh, has always been transparent, um, a little rough around the edges. I'm not the yes kind of kid that, you know, so I, what I've learned from him, you know, was the X's and O's, uh, you know, despite his personality and other things that I bumped up against. Um, he's a very smart and intelligent young man when it comes to just the X's and O's of the game, um, which as a point guard, you know, once you learn that it's more than just playing the bas, it's more than just playing basketball. It's actually studying and being a student of the game. Uh, and in my case, I, I had to learn his mind in order to learn all positions, in order to learn the game, in order to learn what's going to happen two or three plays ahead. Um, you almost become brainwashed to a certain extent um, and a little bit crazy you you choose to to invest into a game to become the best and so um, I took on that role that responsibility um, it came at a cost uh, so I kind of choose to speak on the good of my relationship with Lon and that was the X and O's not really focus on um, the personality types uh, that kind of class when it comes to you know to alpha males you know right. dealing with you know this game that we play in. Well, you know, it's, I, I love to get your, your uh, perspective on this because obviously there's so many different types of coaching styles. Yeah. Uh, you got the, the dictators, you got the right. players coaches. Right. What have you seen 
to be like the most, if you were, if you were to make a prototypical style, style coach, you know, who, what, what would, what would be the characteristics that you would see to, that, that coaches has balance where they're, they're teaching and they're involved in the players' lives? Because for me, I think that when you're in that, that leadership position, um, you're, you are a role model. And a lot of, for, for a lot of the kids, uh, you're that father figure. So it's a disservice to not maximize each and every uh, platform you've been given, especially when you're um, a coach and, and they're looking to you and, and um, you know, through them is the lens of how you're going to view what you do, right. how you're going to view your experience. So right. what, what are some things that you think are, are important to be as a, as a coach? Yeah, I'll say this, and again, this is no, not too much disrespect to Lon. Oh, uh, just, just in general. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely a, a, to be a player's coach, you have to have a certain type of personality to be able to relate to players like you and I. That may not come from the backgrounds that these coaches come from. And so um, that's something that I look for um, with kids that I coach on my travel teams and you know, if I were to look back and do it all over again, that's definitely a characteristic that I would look for is a coach being able to relate to me where I come from. Lon didn't relate to me. And so that's where the, the conflict came in. But what we did relate to was the X and O's. And so there has to be a combination of a player, of a coach being a player's coach, which there's plenty of, and every coaching staff needs that player's coach that can relate to the Patrick Youngs of the world, to the Dan Crosses of the world. But there also needs to be a, a balance of being able to teach skill development and X's and O's of the game. So, and that's more of an honor roll or IB type of teaching instead of a special layer teaching when it comes to basketball, where you're just kind of throwing a ball out and telling talented kids to run and jump and play basketball. That doesn't get you to a final four. So, um, you know, my prototypical um, type of coach would be the player's coach that can relate to me because now I can listen. Yeah. I can, I can listen without thinking that there's any ulterior motives or the coach doesn't understand me. So when you have that kid from the inner city that is looking for that father figure role, you need that kind of coach, that type of man that can first stand up against that strong kind of alpha male that's coming from that area, but then second, be able to listen first, but be able to teach. And once you can listen, then you can teach. Then you got the kid. I don't care where he comes from. Yeah. He can come from Europe, from Africa, from, he may not even be able to speak the language, but he understands the body language. So, you know, those are characteristics that I believe in and I know work because I've seen Billy do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you because uh, every player, every person is different. Yes. So you can't put a square peg no. into a circle and, and put and say every player, especially when, you know, you got 18 year old kids, first time living away from their parents. Yeah. I mean, you came all the way from Chicago down. I need to know for me, if I'm a player and I'm, I'm coming, traveling across the country to, to play for you, I need to first and foremost know you care about me. Yes. I need to first and foremost know that you are striving to build the relationship. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not saying you got to coddle me and oh, we're going, but I need to know you care before I'm going to care about what you know. And you want a, you want a player that's going to be like, that's my coach. Yes. I'm going to 
give it everything I got every time I step on the court for this guy. And that was what Billy did for me. Yes. Um, and I saw him do that with each and every single one of my teammates. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was a matter of where their heart was, where their mind was, uh, what they needed. He took the time to, to truly uh, learn each player and help them because everybody was on a different journey. I mean, it, yes. took, it took Casey Prather until his senior year till he really figured things out, till he really, really was able to click and, right. and become the player that we all knew he was capable of. It took me a while to, to finally get more mature. It took Scotty, it took Will, it took it took Vernon Mack, all, all these guys to finally figure it out. And just so thankful for that. So you've been around the team these last these last few years, basketball, the basketball team. Uh, what have you seen of the program? You know, in the in these when Coach Donovan was there, and then we'll go into the transition into Mike White now being there uh, currently. What what are some similarities? Some 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 changes. What what's your your take on Gator, the state of Gator basketball? Yeah, uh, you know, I I hope my mouth don't get me in too much trouble, Pat. But there's a difference, you know, uh, and I, I think everybody knows that with the first with the personality types, with the with the uh, the style of basketball, the style of play, you know, it's, it's not the same, um, but, you know, so is business, so is life. Um, this is the direction that the athletic department and, um, you know, Strickland and that team have, have chosen to go with Mike. And I think he's done a, you know, a, a good job. Um, I would like to see um, a style that, that continues to fit Florida basketball. Um, as when you guys played for for Billy and not trying to compare Billy to Mike, um, as there should not be a comparison, but the style of play should be um, to be some should be something that should be familiar because we're receiving, we're getting the McDonald's All Americans. The McDonald's All Americans know the brand of Florida basketball more than even who the current head coach is. So. You know, when you understand that brand, no different than Florida style football or Florida style anything, you know, there's a certain excellence and style of play that comes with that. So, you know, very talented group of kids, uh, very talented group of kids, uh, state of the art facility, um, state of the art campus. So there's no excuses for winning not to come along um, with that. You know, we have no problem recruiting any kid in the entire not even country, an entire world. So, you know, you and I both know we can walk through airports and if we have any kind of Gator gear on, people will walk by us and say, go Gators. Yes. That's the magnitude that that Gator stamp or logo has on the minds of people that are sports fans or are not. So when you have that kind of expectation and, uh, and level of respect, then the play has to uh, to fit that. So that's what I'm really looking to see, um, you know, with this current team um, and with the style of play that Mike has, uh, you know, put in front of us. You know, I, I, I went back and looked at the numbers. Very similar, Coach White and Coach Donovan in their first five seasons as far as wins and then the SEC and very similar. But uh, last year, last year, there was just a an air of something is missing. Yeah. You know, we got, I think Coach Coach White is the right guy. Absolutely. I love him to death. He's been, it, for me, when the transition, when, when Coach Donovan left, I was like, oh, man, it ain't going to be the same. And it's not the same. It's not right. the same, but 
it, it opened the door for a new opportunity to create relationships with him and get to know him and no, learn more about basketball. Like right. with the, the, and you, I would love to hear, hear what you have to say on this. I mean, nowadays when it comes to the recruiting, um, these, the kids are getting uh, so much, how to, how to say it, air up their butts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. <laughs> because, true. because they're the guy, they're so special. They're so this and that. And I, I have this accomplishment and that. And uh, when you finally get to college, you realize, oh, snap, I'm, there's other guys just as good as me. Right. A lot of scouting. I got to go to class. Uh, I got this responsibility and this. And it's a lot to, 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 to manage. But because of the way kids are getting coddled through the recruitment process and they see a guy that's one and done, they see Zion, they see this guy, this guy, this guy, they're like, oh, this should be me. That's, it's going to be it's going to be easy. And it's yeah. like. No, success is not easy. No, so it is. It is putting in that work. If you're, if if you, if for the kids that hopefully are going to listen to this, it takes pushing yourself beyond uh, to not get to not get comfortable. To have that curiosity. How can I continue to get better? How right. can I continue to push myself? But also having that balance because you don't want to get burned out. You don't want to. You don't want to 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 dread walking into the gym. But there's going to be days you're not going to feel like feel like it. Plenty of, those. Hmm? plenty of those plenty of, plenty of those but I, I i heard an awesome quote motivation gets you started yeah. habits keep you going forming forming the habits even when you don't feel like it so it's just it becomes subconscious that i'm gonna get i'm gonna get to the gym an hour early to work on this this and this and even though i don't feel like so it's just you know i don't know exactly where i'm going but this is a culmination of things that it's made it makes it challenging uh this gator team you know, Andrew Nimhar was a fantastic point guard, but we all saw that he wasn't a push it, push it and go up and, you know, get the ball and I'm pushing the floor, the flow kind of thing. And I think that's what Coach White really wanted. And he's striving to do that more, wanting to press more, wanting to really get it going. I love Tyree uh, Appleby. I think he's going to be phenomenal when he really figures it. I wish I had a point guard that was passing the ball like him. He's yep. trying to throw the lob every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very true, especially for a guy like you. Oh, so, man. yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I love my my guys to death, but I had Irving and Kenny Boyden uh, were my point guards primarily when I w I was there. So they, you know, those guys are more scoring uh, yes. type players, which they were they were great at doing. But for me, a guy that just wanted to catch lobs and and dunk on everybody, it was a, a little bit of a struggle. But yeah, yep, yeah, man, I get it. So. To, to piggyback off of, off of um, some of your comments, um, you know, even Nimhart, you know, as I watch him at Gonzaga now, um, like I wonder, like, why wasn't he playing that way at Florida? Like, that's a question that comes in my mind. So, so you know, and, and not to get too deep into that, but, you know, it, it's, it's a style of play. And, and, and as you mentioned briefly, and I'll mention also, um, like there's something missing and whatever that missing piece is, it needs to be, it needs to be fixed and fixed re uh, relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. um, just because of the brand alone, players are going to want to beat Florida, not because of who's even on the current team, but because what Florida has done, right. stemming back to you guys, stemming back to the national championships, stemming back to all the success that Florida has like people want to be Florida just because right and so when you have that kind of target on your back as you mentioned before you know these athletes especially current athletes 
like they have to do everything possible. And there's really no excuse at the end of the day, especially at the University of Florida. If you walk around the University of Florida, from the gyms to the football stadiums to the weight rooms, there is no excuse not to get better. This is the distraction at University of Florida. Everything else that goes on around that basketball court or stadium, there is so much distraction that if you're not focused on what you're supposed to do, you can get complacent very, very quickly just because it's University of Florida. Absolutely. So, you know, you, as I mentioned to you before, you almost have to be a little, a little crazy to do the little extra, you know, knowing that there's, you know, the parties aren't going anywhere. The beaches aren't going anywhere. You know, the, the limelight isn't going anywhere. Now you have to live up to what social media and everybody else has, has put on you. And if you do that, like there's a blueprint to it. Mike White, Billy Donovan, Lon Cook, Rick Pitino, that the blueprint was set before these guys even came into the picture of college basketball. So if you follow that, if these current kids follow that, you know, the Trey Mans of the world and Scott, like if they follow that blueprint, then they'll live up to that McDonald's, you know, all-American expectation. And they could possibly be one and done. So then my question is, well, what, if they would have went to another school, would they have been one and done, you know, under someone else? You know, so <laughs> these are just questions that I pose, you know, and not really a challenge to anyone, but, you know, my expectations are high for these guys. So, right. Absolutely. As it should be. I mean, it's, we, we don't know everything that goes into each one of these guys, but we, we know basketball well enough to, to give a very good uh, uh, estimate of, of how things should be. But I think, I think for, for, for Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis, uh, and for me, when I got to Florida, the the level of expectation was was high, and I had a missed the reality that it, that it was actually going to be the way I was I was hoping. So when you you have this expectation, and the reality of it is you're not that good, or you're just not there yet, or somebody's better than or you. Somebody, what what is that 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 equation equals frustration? It right. gets about to get frustrated, and it. it and that's the thing. It's like you want to have a coach that's going to humble you through this recruiting process. And like, instead of coming and saying, I'm going to give your son all this and that, and he's going to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. You got to be real with him. I'm going to help your son get better. I'm going to push him. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's not going to always be easy. I'm going to hold him accountable. And that that is so important, I think, because real life, you know, people ain't holding your hand where you gotta, you're going to go. And, no. and that's why I love bas- I love sports so much. I think this world would be such a better place if everyone experienced team sports uh, at least once in their life to uh, really work towards a common goal with other people. And that camaraderie, doesn't matter where you came from. That's what I love playing with the Gators. We have Will You Get uh, come all the way from France. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. Scotty or uh, Cody Larson came from South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, who else am I missing? Do we have any other foreign guys? Uh, uh, before I got there, we had a player from Israel. Uh, they have a guy now that's from, from all over. But it's like, if you don't get to that, have that humility, yeah. having that healthy humility in, in, in everywhere you go. But I want to ask you, how did, how did you handle it? Uh, you know, just the, the, the distractions 
that are ever so easy to fall into when you were uh, at school from 91 to 95? Um, I handled it the best that I knew how to, not having a blueprint to know how to deal with the transition to college. And I don't care if someone tells you the blueprint. Right. Until you actually go through the transition itself. And as you know, talent has something to do with it. But a lot of times, just the maturity of being able to deal with college life that um, is probably the biggest transition. Um, you know, for some, it's getting stronger. For others, it's a, it's a mentality. For others, it's being away from home and, and being in a different environment. For others, it's dealing with a, a coach that, you know, you may or may not get along with. For others, it's learning a new system, you know, a basketball system that, you know, the same plays and the same skill development, different footwork. And so there's a combination of things that go into, at least for me, while my transition um, may have been a little bit different. Mine was more of a mental uh, transition um, that I had to deal with because I'm having to learn not only my position, but a pos everybody's position. Right, yeah. You know, and as the point guard, you're having to learn everybody's position, a tempo, a style of play, and then you got to study everybody. You got to study 15 other teams. Yep. So there's a different learning and there's an adjustment to that when it comes to, you know, for me, I'm a kid that just, I'm used to going up and down, running and jumping, passing the ball. And the SEC isn't like that. You may do that the first half and a little bit of the second half, but the last six minutes of the game, you and I both know it's, the game is going to slow down. You know, it's going to be possession by possession and it's going to be who can outthink who and who's going to make the first couple of mistakes to win the basketball game? Yeah, absolutely. It comes down to that that last bit of it, it comes down to your habits. I think when it, when it comes down to those last six, six minutes of a game, last few minutes, it comes down to the conditioning and what separates good teams from great teams is that they do the little things consistently yep. well. Yes, that's what makes a team great. Okay, any anybody can do can close out and rebound or box out right a little bit a few times i can dive on the floor here or there i can get i can jump to the ball when the ball is passed i can hands high i can shadow i can do all these things that a lot of players might might think ah oh, you know i don't really need to do that but i'll tell you what the one outside of my team in this in the last few years the team that i saw do this the best was that villanova team that beat north carolina yeah they were they were undersized they were outmatched they were the the UNC team was more talented, but they did every little thing. And because they did that, the door was open for an opportunity at the end and a shot that we'll never forget. Yep. And that's what a lot of players don't get, especially, you know, when, when it comes to becoming a professional. And I know you played, uh, you played a little bit overseas and bounced around. What difference did you see uh, as far as when you <laughs> transitioned from college to pro? Cause I, you know, I can tell you plenty of them, especially from the coaching standpoint, but what were some of the, some stories, some stories you have when you're like, wow, this ain't college anymore. Listen, as, as soon as you step off the plane, you know, from the NBA tryouts to being overseas, 
it, that transition is even heightened to the highest level because now when you've mastered the college game and you're, you're perceived as being one of the top players, you believe that, you know, for the most part, when you get to that next level, wherever it's at, whether it's an NBA team or overseas, that you are now, you have now made it to the top. Little to be known is that the process starts all over again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the coaches may or may not know you. The players or your teammates may or may not know you. If they know you, then they're competing to go against you. Nothing is really guaranteed, especially when you go overseas. Um, now you're dealing with a language barrier. You're dealing with a culture barrier. You're dealing with, you know, living in a country where that really doesn't have the same, they may not have the same laws as you, the same religions, the same beliefs. So you're dealing with, can you adjust to an environment that may not, that you've never been in before? Right. So, you know, you may have one or two teammates that speak English, but the coach is speaking the native language, you know, during halftime. And so you got to have a translator there to oh. translate. <laughs> so all you all you know in your mind is whatever this coach is saying, he brought me here for one reason, right. to score and make this team win. Right. So I could really care less what the coach is saying as long as I do what I'm supposed to do. So the mentality changes to a, to a, it becomes really a selfish mentality, you know, because it's business now. Oh yeah. It's a job and it's a job of performance, nothing else. If, if you don't perform, then you don't make money. It affects your family and it could affect your career. Then you have to worry about injury. You know, you don't have the same trainers, you know, oh, yeah. I'll just say like, man, so I've lived in Italy. I've lived in Greece. I've lived in Turkey. I've lived in Israel. I've lived in Helsinki, Finland. I've lived in Cyprus, which is a little Mediterranean Sea, um, little island in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, you know, I played in Venezuela and Dominican, like I played all over the world, Pat, you know, much like yourself. And like, I've seen stories, man, where, you know, like the, as you know, the playoff games become very competitive to where, you know, they are, the teams are actually escorting fans in one section at a time because the fans are throwing you know their their homemade bombs and co hot coins and chairs across the arena they're throwing coins and chairs on the floor you know they're smoking in the stadium like isn't that crazy they smoke in the stadium oh man <laughs> yeah. so and this was 20 something years ago 15 something years ago to know that those things are still going on if, you know for those outside of you and i if you ever looked at a at a soccer game and you see the mayhem that's going on between fans and as an athlete you're having to avoid everything that the, that's going on outside of that court to try to win a game with things being thrown at you being spit on being called names that you know you name it I've experienced it I had a president pull a gun on a referee Whoa. in Turkey Whoa. Yeah, like it's it's serious. <laughs> it's serious overseas, man. So, you know, I've been blessed and fortunate enough, you know, not to be in, you know, not to get hurt in any of those situations because a lot of those situations for me were no different than playing at the parks in Chicago. Right. Or playing the parks back in Carbondale. So, you know, I was a little used to that. Not that I like 
playing around it, but there's so many stories, Pat, when you're playing overseas, man. And when, and, when, and when you and me get on the get on the court, golf course, you're gonna tell me all of them. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I'm telling you the G and the PG rated version. So yes, yes, but it was a great experience, man. You're you're pretty much, you know, when a lot of a lot of coaches and this word gets thrown around a lot, you know, uh, you you that guy's a pro or be a professional, be a pro. And a lot of people don't necessarily understand what that means. And to me, as being a pro, I mean, you just alluded to it by going through all those things that all these distractions and things may be happening out of my control, yeah. but can I still show up and do what is required of me? Yeah. It's, it's as though uh, uh, as soon as I step in on that court, I just have to, everything else has to just block out. I have to let it, I have to leave it so I can come and show and do my job. Yeah. So I can, I can do what they're asking me to do, what I'm required to. Yeah. So I can, uh, they look at me like when I leave this place, that they're going to say nothing but positive things, that there's nothing negative to say. Because life isn't fair. So a lot of very really unfair things happen, especially when it comes to money and playing overseas. Yeah. So a lot of times, yes, you do need to, you need to learn how to pick and pick and choose your battles. Because some battles, yeah, you do. Team ain't paying you on time. It's yep. you gotta fight. You gotta fight. But sometimes, if oh, it's a smaller thing, you have to be able to let that thing go or just wait for the right time. Because the last thing you want uh, is for negative any type of negativity to be put on your on your brand. Like yes. you are. Well, I'm sure this is what you tell what you tell your boys is that you whenever you go anywhere, you are now a brand. You yes. are you are where people see you and you stand out. Because you you look like an athlete, so if if they have an interaction with you, make it a positive one. Make yeah. it one where they're gonna say, "Oh, that was a nice kid that that could articulate himself. He could he he seems as though he has more going in, uh, on in this life." And those small things translate over to real life. Yeah. So that's why I love love sports so much because sports just transition over to real life. That I might I may have a bad boss. I may yeah. have selfish coworkers. But can yeah. I still show up and do what is required of me and smile and let go of the petty things? And yeah, man, you know, I I, I would love to hear what you got going on right now. Cause I know you I know you're involved in a lot and uh would love to give you an opportunity to to let people know uh what you have going on. Yeah, well, just to kind of piggyback, you know, and segue into into that. So that sports, what sport has done for me is to teach me a discipline. Um, and a crazy focus, a crazy focus that was taught by all of the distractions that could have led me down the wrong way. Not just fans, but my friends. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I I can adapt to just about any crowd. I can dress up and I can look the part. I can dress down and look like I come from where I come from, and I can speak both languages. But understanding that money speaks all languages, like money is universal. So once you understand that and you can adapt, then the next part of life is how do I transition that discipline over to things that I can enjoy doing and continue to dictate to the game. And in this case, the game of life before the game of life starts dictating to me. And so um, basketball has been a blessing and a curse all at the same time. The blessing has been, I've been able to see the world. 
Um, I've been able to make a little money. I've been able to provide for my family. Um, in this case, uh, because of basketball, you know, it attracts a lot of a lot of people, <laughs> good and bad, women, men, relationships. Um, so I was very fortunate enough and blessed to uh, to have a beautiful son and a beautiful daughter um, who's now 21. My son at University of Florida on the football team there as a receiver. Uh, my daughter, who's also at University of Florida, um, studying pre-med. Um, so those are some of the good things that I'm proud about um, that my hard work and discipline has done to pay off. And in this case, to show kind favor. So you think, you, you know, you talk about, you know, being able to leave your stamp or brand, like, you know, you and I both know how competitive University of Florida is. So for me to be able to do what I've done and for people to remember and to show kind of favor to say, oh, I remember Dan Cross and I, oh, this is his son. You know, this is his daughter. You know, sometimes it, it, as you and I know, it's not about how good you are anymore. Everybody's good. Everybody's great or everybody at least thinks that they're great. So what's going to separate them from you or from them from me is how I carry myself. And so, you know, I've started a foundation called Athlete Connections Foundation uh, about 15 years ago where, you know, really the mission was to use, utilize sports to teach kids life skills. And so, you know, under that brand and under that mission, you know, we have travel teams and, you know, I, I run summer camps um, in Gainesville and back in Illinois and for a time here in Orlando, just to be able to give back to the game and teach kids fundamentals. And the hook was really, you know, was, was, was basketball, but I could teach, I could teach everything else. My mentors and my coaches could teach everything else outside of the game that you and I were taught, you know, when it comes to the, to the sport and to the discipline and how to treat the game. So, you know, those are things that I'm really passionate about within our foundation. We run a big celebrity golf event uh, fundraiser here in Orlando. Uh, most recently ran a big holiday showcase in Gainesville, exposing kids, you know, to college coaches. Um, I most recently developed a, a software platform called Cross Academy uh, LMS to where it's a, it's a life skills online curriculum that's being licensed out to public and, and private schools. And so I'm just trying to do things that I enjoy and that I believe in. And at the same time, be business minded enough to surround me with people that are smarter than me that can help me um, and not being afraid to ask for help right. to, uh, to, to grow business. Um, most importantly, to make money and to provide, you know, and, and, and leave my own legacy. Yeah. So um, it's not easy. I will say that uh, business is not easy. Um, I've took a lot of falls. I've lost everything because of what I believed in. Um, I've chosen to bet on myself instead of somebody else betting on me. Um, you know, there's a saying that, you know, you can choose to live, you know, there's three sides to the coin, heads, tails, and the edge. I choose to live on the edge, man. <laughs> so. I haven't, I haven't heard that one before, but uh, Dan, thank you. Thank you for uh, for sharing that. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy that uh, pride gets in the way of so many people because sure. nobody knows everything. Nobody has all the answers. So yeah. for me, 
or you to ever walk into a room and not have the openness of our heart of maybe this person can maybe teach me something. This person can maybe teach me something. And we, that's something we should hold on to for life. Yeah. Because even if it's a, maybe a, a six or seven year old will teach some, an interaction with them will teach me something about patience. Yes. Or will teach me how to enjoy the moment or it will, you know, somebody will break down something because I ask questions, because I listen. And a lot of people don't want to listen. You know, I, they, they, they just want to be heard. They want to, yeah. they want to, they don't want to actively listen. They want to hear what you say and be like, oh, okay, I already have my answer. Instead of listening, processing it, and then responding to what you're saying, answering the questions, because that's how we grow. Yes. That's how we understand each other better. And that's something I'm sure that is uh, vital in, in your life skills that learning how to listen, how to just slow down, be patient. You know, what, what are some of the, what are some uh, life skills? <laughs> Not the thing now. What are some of the, the primary life skills that, you would tell a freshman in college that they really need to strive to uh, mature and cultivate? Yeah, I, I think the big thing, um, especially at the University of Florida, is taking advantage of the resources around you, learning what that actually means. So school doesn't teach you life skills, unfortunately. Um, and this is no disrespect to the public or private schools or to the institutions, but the education is not really designed for the entre entrepreneurial mind. It is not designed to teach you how to network. And so going to the University of Florida where you will be introduced to every kind of student from all over the world. Right. You must know and understand that these relationships could and should, and from in my case, will last for a lifetime. So we're told that we can't talk, as student athletes, the first thing we're told in orientation, in orientation is that we can't talk to the boosters and to the alumni because it's an NCAA violation. But we can sit next to them at a dinner table where someone has paid $10,000 to have a meal and a plate to be able to speak to us. But we're not told to get a business card from that person that most likely that paid $10,000 for that table owns some business, whether it's a, a citrus farm, uh, the dairy, uh, the, the biggest dairy right. uh, company in the, in the world, in the entire country. So, you know, the Sonny's owner, like we're not taught to collect our right. own database of resources. So once, when we finish with college, we now don't have to rely on a coach whose job really isn't to get us a job, but we think as freshmen, you know, that coach is going to take care of us the rest of our life, right. but the coach may not even be there three or four years from now. So in understanding that business of resources that like these alumni and boosters, they want to be around, they identify with the skill set that we possess. Yeah. That they possess in business. So they're willing to do anything to invest into a school like the University of Florida or an athletic department like the University of Florida to say, you know what, I want to be around this kid. We've been told that we can't, but the only way we can be around them is at a dinner or before or after a game or maybe on an airplane. So the mindset of a student athlete should be, I need to get as many resources as possible.
It is crazy. But later on in life. I can, you're, you're so right. I can't tell you how many times we've flown on the plane with the booster or the, yep. and you never even talked to them. Nope. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's so sad that there's, I can't, I need, I keep telling people this statistic, but I, I got to get the exact number and I'm sure you've heard it. The number of athletes after their, their career is over, end up broke and just lose everything because they have no idea what to do with their lives. They don't have, they never networked. They don't have those connections. They didn't start building those relationships. They, they didn't have an understanding of, and it's so, so sad that the system doesn't actually teach us how to budget. Like, what is that word? What does that mean? How to pay my taxes, how to do this and that. I gotta, I gotta learn through another institute, something extra. And if I don't have the money to do it, or right. I don't have the focus to do that, I'm just gonna pay somebody else to do it. So I don't have to learn how to do it myself. Or, yep. and, and then you stop making the big bucks and then you're home all day. Yeah, you got to play play a different a different role. It's, it's no longer you're 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 still the head of the family. You know, you would say you're still the head of the family, but now we're not traveling. There's no games. There's none of this. You're home, like, and it, it, you you were 30, 35. Hopefully, you got another sixty years to live. What else are you gonna do? And that's why I'm so I'm so uh, motivated and encouraged by what you're doing, and I and I'm glad that I'm back. I'll, back to help and serve and, and be of an of, of a resource for you. Uh, yeah. I hope I can we can get on the course and play. Uh, sure. Got one, one last question, Dan, before I let you leave. Uh, do you have a favorite memory as a Gator? Yes. Uh, it would, so my teammates, first of all, um, I would be remiss to not shout out to my best friends and my brothers who have been by my side and vice versa since we were 18 years old. Well, I went into school at 17. Since 17, these guys are still to the day, my final four guys are still my best friends. Um, and there are not too many, I don't know too many teammates or opponents that can say that all of their college buddies, in this case, you know, from my junior and senior year that they speak to on a weekly basis. We have, if the university doesn't do something for us, for our final four guys, we have our own reunion every year. We speak and we, I have guys that we have, I got one teammate in China, one team all over the world. So that's the first is giving honor and respect to um, to my friends, my best friends, my brothers, and my family. Um, the final four, for sure, is a memory that I will never forget for this one reason, Pat, is there aren't too many things in life that you can do for the first time, right? Right. Um, and in this case, the, the University of Florida had never gone to a final four for the first time. I don't care what will ever be done after that. Right. We did it for the first time, right? Right. Not that we were the greatest team, not that they were the most talented team, even though I consider myself a very talented athlete, but to be able to do that for the first time is a memory that has impacted a generation. So when you say you don't know if you would have attended the University of Florida, you might be right because Billy probably wouldn't have took the job if he didn't know that I was there before, 
that he didn't know that there was a final four, that he didn't know that, man, Florida resources, okay, I could possibly build a, a Kentucky-style mentality. At, like, so there's a domino effect of kids who saw that and said, you know what, I want to go there just because they did it for the first time. That's probably the greatest memory. And if you would allow me just two more minutes to just to share this, for not sure. only with you, but with um, your audience is, you know, you mentioned something about like this transition um, from basketball to what's next. And so what a lot of people don't know, um, and I'm just gonna put my life um, out on the table. So that transition from playing basketball my entire life to figuring out what to do next was the hardest transition that I ever had in life. <clears throat> so I went from having all the attention in the world to having structure. I knew what time I was getting up in the morning. I knew what time I knew where I was going to be at. I knew what part of the season I was going to be where to now being home all day. And at the time I was married for 10 years. So relationships changed, depression set in, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Instead of me understanding my own financial literacy, I had depended on somebody else mm -hmm. that knew more than me to help me with my finances. Um, I figured out and got angry, you know, at my coach because I felt as though, you know, there was additional help and guidance should have, be, should have been given in this process of me not knowing what to do. Um, so there was a, dom a, a domino effect of a lot of things that took place that you hear about every day, you know, in the news with, you know, with athletes. And I don't necessarily blame any one person, but I do understand there must be an understanding of the process, the process of what, what financial literacy really means. X squared and Y squared and geometry and algebra and any other math that I've taken have never equaled a dollar, a cent, any kind of investment, any kind of credit card. Like it's, it's so why, why did I take all, why did you and I, what does this math do for me? Right. You understand? Yeah. So it, it, it allowed me to understand systems, institutions, you know, how am I going to rebrand myself? You know, how am I now going to, to, to create another legacy? So that doesn't happen overnight. Right. I didn't learn how to dribble overnight. You didn't learn how to dribble overnight. You damn sure didn't know how to dunk overnight. So when you understand that this process starts all over, the dribble starts all over again, the shots starts, like there is a process. So if you look at business, it's a three to five year process for success. With the coaching staff, there's a three to five year process. That university is gonna give you three to five years for you to figure out, are you good enough to stay there? So that's been my journey. Um, um, and it's come with the ultimate sacrifice. So, you know, I encourage others that, you know, like life in over, once for the doctor, for the attorney that chooses something else, for the athlete that is forced to do something else, for the Patrick Young of the world who has loved this game of basketball and have seen the world and experienced a lifestyle that 95% of this human, of the human uh, population will never be able to experience in a lifetime. 
You've experienced that. Yeah. Now what you going, what am I, what is the Dan Cross of the world? What is it the Patrick Youngs of the world? What are we going to do with that? How can we continue? So, you know, God bless you. I appreciate the time and the opportunity that you've given me um, to share, you know, just, just memories, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, I'll ask you one, one quick one to bounce off that. Where, when, where, when going through that transition, uh, what was the first thing that you did to start? Like, did you, did you get in more into books? Did you, uh, or was there a person, like a, a mentor, uh, or did you just say, like Malcolm X, when he was in prison, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to read and I'm going to learn everything myself, and then I'm going to find a direction, or what, what got you started? I, just, I believed in what God had given me to do. He gave me a vision, right? And I'm, I'm attentive to the visions and how he speaks to me, which means mostly, mostly no one else is going to understand what that vision is. I have to figure out how to carry that out, which means that, you know, the significant other, mom or dad, like no one is really going to understand, like, why did I go into the nonprofit world? I didn't study that in college. So why am I giving back? And I don't know, like, there isn't necessarily a, a designated salary involved in that, you know, and, and not having a blueprint, I'm not a big reader, right? So I have a attention deficit, I have a learning disability, but I master everything that I hear and everything that I can see, I master that to where I almost have a photographic memory. Wow. But when I read something it takes me two or three times, maybe even four times to comprehend what I can listen to by audio or what I can see by visual. Yeah. So in understanding that, I'm now trying to follow blueprints of all these business owners that I've surrounded myself with that remember me. So it was up to me to pick up the phone call or pick up the phone and say, hey man, put my pride aside, put my ego aside. I don't want to talk basketball anymore. Mm. You know, that's really the, the thing is, hey, Pat, how you doing, man? I love watching you. I don't really want to talk about that right now. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You know, I, want, I need to talk about how, how, how to put together a business plan, you know, about investments, how to invest my money, how you invest in your... So that was the biggest thing for me to to just... I, I, I can't really answer that. I just did it. Yeah. I did it and that was my process. That was your, yeah, and everyone has a process, but if you're not willing to get on, even take the, it's a step, it's a step, it's a path. Yes. Learn one step at a time. If you're not willing to, to even get up and take that, the, take a first step, any, yeah. any direction, because yeah. the first step might be wrong, but at least you started, at least yes. you started. And then you, guess what? I'm a, that wasn't the right direction. All right, I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna step here. Let's see it. I'm gonna, whatever it may be, but it, That's it, it takes motion. It takes action. So there, there's a saying that I, that I, I believe and I want to share with you. The only time I look behind or I look back is to connect the dots. That's the only time I look back. Yeah. Everything else is looking forward. Yeah. All right. The only time I look back is to learn what I did, what I did wrong. That's the only time I'm going to look back. 
everything else, it, it has to be a step forward. Yes. Because if I look back for too long, I'm going to tell you what's waiting for me. I'm going to tell you what's waiting for Dan Cross. What's waiting for Dan Cross is depression, which it, it follows me. What waits for me, if I look for too far, is idleness, complacency. These are spirits, you know, the, the doubt, the spirit of doubt, the spirit of fear. Yep. Like those things are strong. And I'm so scared of fear that I'll do whatever it takes not to experience that. I'll fight it. Yeah. But I know it's there because it's, because it's, it's, it's wrestled with me before. So that's the only time that I have to look back is to connect the dots to say, what do I need? Much like what you said, even if it's a side step, it's not a step backwards. So I got to go. They say even the lion, the lion doesn't never listen to the dogs that bark in the back of him that's chasing them because they, they, they little puppies. Yeah. You understand? So if the lion, if you have a lion mentality, there's no point to look back because you got this whole jungle right. that you got to conquer. So, and that's a gator mentality for me. Like I learned that being a gator. And I learned that from where I come from. So may that seed be planted into you to be planted back into me, to hold me accountable for what I said to you, to hold yourself accountable for all the great things that you're doing. And however our lives need to meet up, man, and yep. you continue to impact others through your through your uh, through your podcast and through your audience and following, man. I God bless you, and I wish you all the best. And I can't I can't tell you how much you uh you've inspired me and the many people that are gonna gonna listen to this. Definitely, we don't need to linger on the past. We look back at the dots to to say, okay, that's why this happened. And that's why I can I can move forward, and that should give us motivation to continue to move forward. But anyways, this was an awesome episode. I'm so thankful. Everyone, Dan Cross, subscribe wherever you can on this podcast. Also, subscribe to uh, the Field of 68 Media Network. Let's keep this thing going. Everyone, stay rowdy.